I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to our final Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show here in the calendar year of 2021. It's uh, Ian Mendes and Sean McIndoe with you, as always. And uh, since we're doing the last show of the year, um, we figured, why don't we do a, a look back, kind of a look back at maybe the 10 or, I don't know, maybe we'll, we'll try and make this maybe a top 10 list of, of fun, weird stories in the hockey world, controversial stories in the hockey world. Things of that nature. We kind of want to make this a little bit of an evergreen show that can, you know, for the next week or so, can last. You can look back and, and think about some of the stories that happened, and we'll have some fun with it, like we always try to do here on uh, on the Thursday episode of the pod. But man, like even just trying to compile this list here in the last couple of days, when 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 we had the idea, Sean, of hey, let's do a, a look back year and review piece. Even just coming up with ten stories, uh, or I guess maybe paring it down to ten stories, was a bit yeah. of a challenge. Yeah, that that was that was well. The challenge was twofold for me, at least. Number one was narrowing it down because it's the NHL and they always give us weird stuff uh, to chew on. And the other one for me, at least, was just figuring out what actually happened in 2021. Like there, there were stories that I like because because I threw it out to some other people to to send me some ideas, and they sent me stuff, and I was like, that was like three years ago. That wasn't this year. And then you look and you're like, oh, my God, that was February. I don't even what was February of 2021. So uh, that uh, that was a, a little bit of a challenge. But we've we've verified uh, the the dates on all this. And believe it or not, this all did happen in, in the same calendar year. Yeah. And one of the things, too, we want to kind of preface this show is I, I think for the most part on the third on on this show, we try our best to be a little bit irreverent and have some fun and, and poke fun at hockey culture and some of the things that go on. But we also want to be mindful, Sean, that this year was a difficult year in hockey for a uh, for a number of reasons. And there was some very, yeah. very important reporting that was done by people like uh, Rick Westhead uh, in particular, uh, Katie Strang. 
uh, touching on some things that uh, kind of poked in, into some of the uncomfortable areas in hockey. And I think about, uh, obviously, Rick's reporting on the Chicago Blackhawks. Like, if, if we were doing this straight up and it wasn't like, hey, let's have some fun. If we were doing what were the 10 most significant stories in 2021, Sean, I'm not sure that there's anything beyond, like the Kyle Beach story to me is number mm -hmm. one. And, you know, it, it it was really like this sort of seminal moment in hockey history when Rick Westhead's interview with Kyle Beach landed there in October. It was really a transformational moment, I thought, in, in, in maybe even in the history of hockey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's the story of the year uh, in the NHL, and, and I'm not sure that it's it's all that close. Number two is probably the the COVID crisis we're we're going through right now, and uh, and there have been other stories certainly this year that have uh, been been difficult and important, um, but don't fit well. Uh, let's just say into a into a show where we're we're going to at least do our best to to keep it a little bit light and, and send you into the new year on a on a good note. So we're, we're not excluding those stories because we don't think they're important. We're, if anything, uh, stories like that. And, and, you know, some of the other stuff, Logan Mayu, uh, is the, some of the Evander Kane accusations, the, uh, Mattis Kivlenik's tragedy. Um, you're not going to hear those on this list. Um, but that's certainly not because we, we don't think that, uh, that those were incredibly important stories. They just don't really fit with, with what we're trying to do here. Yeah, and, and let's be honest, I think, like you said, like I think because we're sort of plunged into this COVID crisis again here uh, around the holidays and, and hockey has essentially been put on on pause, uh, I think a lot of hockey fans are just, hey, can you give me something fun? Can you give me, get, remind me why this sport is fun and weird and wild and wacky and all that stuff. So that that's what we're going to do here mm. for the next hour. And, and, and often dumb, right? but in a, and dumb. Yeah. In, in an entertaining way. We're trying yeah. to focus on the, the uh the the entertaining incompetence in this league as opposed to the the uh the darker side of it so when we were coming up with this list the first thing you you kind of floated out to me was wow we got to talk about the outdoor game uh in Lake Tahoe that was delayed by the sun and my initial reaction was yeah no Sean you got that wrong that 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 was not from yeah. this year that was that was 2 years ago wasn't it or 3 how and long ago right? does that feel like that is just uh and and i mean if you're a hockey fan you probably remember you were probably uh, maybe sitting down to watch the game on tv or maybe you were online and checking updates and they went out there and they played was it a period one period that they got yeah. in and then they realized uh that they they couldn't keep playing because apparently it hadn't occurred to anyone that it might be sunny during the daytime and it it got us uh you know, certainly some the, some bizarre sights. The the game being delayed. We had the uh, so I, I believe it ends up becoming, in theory, at least the longest NHL game ever from uh, from start to finish, uh, because there's this nine hour gap in, as an intermission. We got the legendary Gary Bettman quote that the sun <laughs> the sunshine has always been our enemy. Always, which yeah. is, I mean, if you're, I'm not. I, I don't want to pick on Gary Bettman too much. I, I think sometimes we go over the top portraying him as some sort of supervillain. But if you're going to be a supervillain, you need a catchphrase. And the sunshine has always been our enemy is is an all-timer there. Um, and, and there were other great moments. Here, here's an underrated one that the, that people may may have forgotten. But um, in the in the pre-game or, or the 
uh, I guess it was a couple of days before when they were doing the the media, the Avalanche had a press conference and it was uh, Pierre Edward Belmar. Yes. Yeah. Talking about how cool it was going to be to play on the lake. And Andre Burkowski, like live at the press, had to had to break the news to him that they, we're not actually playing on the lake. Like there were, there's an actual rink that they built, and and he was he was so disappointed. It was such a tough uh, tough moment. So yeah, the whole thing was a mess. To the league's credit, they got the game done. Um, you know, it's it it all's well that ends well. But uh, what a and and here's the sad thing: if you went back to if January 2021, and somebody said, you know, you you watch that whole situation play out, you would be sitting there going, well, hey, we can close the book on the weirdest NHL story of the year, because that's it right there. Yeah. The sunshine is our enemy. That's your, and uh, let's just say, no, not exactly. There was a lot of weird stuff to come. Yeah, I, I'm thinking that that sunshine is our enemy. Is that the ultimate, in his entire 30-year run as commissioner? Is that the greatest Gary Bettman kind of like if you're making a Gary Bettman t-shirt and you're trying mm-hmm. to print out the one t-shirt which I'm not Gary's which yeah. you're not but um I think the sunshine is our en- has always been our enemy or is that just recency bias do we need to go back and like oh you're forgetting about what he said about you know yeah um, he's he- a- I think, I think, yeah, you need like a, like the Mount Rushmore would be the sunshiners are enemy. You have to have his go-to, I admire your passion that he breaks out every single time he gets booed. Yeah. And every single time people act like it's a real zinger, like, oh, look at him, look at him playing into the crowd. What a great, with his one joke that, uh, that he's had. I think that would be up there. There, there have probably been some, I'm sure there've been some regrettable, uh, quotes that he would, uh that he would like to have back as well. But uh, that's that's my starting point. Do you know that? Do you know how long the delay was between the first and second period in that outdoor game? I just, I, I thought it, it was like nine hours. Yeah, it was about, about eight hours. <laughs> it okay. was about eight hours. Like, that was, and, and uh, yeah, and, it, you know, I remember, <laughs> and, it, you know, it's it, Vegas is out there and the Avalanche were wearing uh, Nordiques uniform. So I remember there was a yeah. screen grab where somebody had, <laughs> and it was just the logo. It was Vegas and then a Nordiques logo. And then it said like delay in between periods, nine hours. And I was like, imagine explaining this screen grab to somebody like even five years ago. I'm just being like, this is what 2021 is. This is what we got going on. It would have it completely confused them on so many different levels. Do you remember even who won that game, by the way? No. No, I have no idea. Yeah, the Avalanche did. I, I, I didn't did. know. Okay. I just had to look it up, too. I feel like I don't know who won any outdoor game except for the one where Crosby scored yeah. uh, in, in Buffalo in the snow. I feel like that's the only game you could – I guess you would probably know Detroit and Toronto. Like, you're asking me. I yeah. don't even know. I think Toronto there was, won, there was, I don't know. I think Toronto won uh, in overtime, didn't they? Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's uh, – the, the, most of them you don't remember. I've been to some, and I don't even remember who won. Yeah. So yeah, which one did you, did you go to the one in San Jose or in at least? Yeah, you know what? This is, I, I went to the one in San Jose and I went to the one at Dodger stadium and they were both amazing, but those are the only two I've ever been to. Uh, and I, I've said this before, I've got to be one of, if not the only people in Ontario or maybe Canada who has been to two outdoor NHL games and they were both in California. I didn't go to the one here in my backyard. I didn't go to the one, you know, in, uh, 
that that the Leafs were playing in or anything like that. But I I managed to get out to California twice, uh, <laughs> and uh, and the Dodger Stadium one especially was amazing. It was fan- like that was that was great. The the San Jose was in the football stadium, which was cool, but the uh, the the ballparks are always a a more interesting place to be. So as we move along again, we're kind of looking at uh, the top 10 kind of controversies, weird stories of the of the calendar year 2021. The Rangers and their overreaction to Tom Wilson, I think, needs to be on the list here. Because remember, it was Tom Wilson who got into separate altercations. I mean, most notably with Artemi Panarin, where he kind of threw him down to the ice. But then it was Pavel Buchnevich as well, where he um, he kind of punched him. And the Rangers were incensed. And and I think what I always, as we talk about catchphrases and t-shirts, I oh, remember yeah. the, the Rangers put out a statement that cited Wilson for what? A horrifying act of violence. And then a they took a horrifying act of violence. Horrifying act of violence. And what I always like too is that they just took a full out run at George Peros, who is the yeah. head of Department of Player Safety. And they said it was a quote, dereliction of duty. I always mm-hmm. think, wouldn't that, if you wanted to go like super deep underground with like a garage band name for a hockey, Dereliction of Duty would be pretty good. That's right? honestly, like, Dereliction of Duty is my band name and yeah. Horrifying Act of Violence is the name of our first album. Yeah. This is, yeah. when you and I finally get the garage band going, uh, that's that's exactly what we're going with. It, it was it was so over the top. And, you know, at the time, a lot of us were like, wow, uh, Jeff Gordon really going. And then we found out that, Apparently, Jeff Gordon and John Davidson either didn't know that this was coming or, um, you know, maybe saw it at the same time we did, certainly weren't involved in it. And we went, oh, that's weird uh, that the GM and the president weren't consulted. I wonder why that is. And a few days later, we found out it was uh, as as they were both let go um, in, in a very strange shakeup. And I feel like do, we still don't fully know exactly what was going on behind the scenes there but clearly uh our our old pal James Dolan uh who for a very long time has been one of the uh most newsworthy owners in the NBA and not in the NHL in the NHL he's been a good he's kind of just quietly signed the checks and let the hockey team uh be run as it as it needed to and he decided he was going to he was going to dole it up and uh yeah he he certainly had himself a week well, you know what? Now that I think about it, like James Dolan has his own band, right? Like, you, have you ever seen that? Where he's like the lead I have, singer? Yeah. Straight yeah. Shot or something like that. Isn't yeah. he? Uh, J- yeah. James, JD. I, it's JD and the Straight JD. Shots. Is that, is That's that right. what it is? Yeah. Yeah. It's JD. <laughs> and their next uh, album is, uh, yeah, or That's why you have to get rid of John yeah. Davidson. You can't have two <laughs> JDs running around. Yeah. It's, it's this is, this, yeah. <laughs> this the is old JD's cliche. fault. Yeah. Yeah. Too many JDs spoil the broth, I guess. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, it felt like, look, like the Rangers, and then we felt like they overreacted. And then I think just to take this story kind of a little one step further, is we all circled that opening game. We're like, man, oh, yeah. Rangers caps, settle in. This is going to be crazy. And then nothing happened. Nothing. Yeah, it was a complete dud. Uh, the caps won the game. You know, the, nothing happened with Tom Wilson. Uh, it was, it was, and, and then you go, okay, all right, let's, let's wait for game number two. And then you look on the schedule and it's not until like February or March or something. They only play three times. So, uh, I've got my fingers crossed maybe in the playoffs, 
maybe we'll get them in the playoffs and then we can we can finally see some fireworks because uh, haven't yet. Well, listen, speaking of the playoffs, uh, I think as we look back to 2021, obviously, I think one of the biggest stories was the way that the league was structured last year, where uh, there was an all Canadian North division. And then, there, you know, all the, the other three divisions were kind of separated geographically. And when we got to playoff time, it was one of the weirdest things we've ever experienced. So the Vancouver Canucks, of course, were really ravaged by the COVID-19 virus late in the season, had a bunch of their games postponed. I still don't understand. Now, six months later, whatever it is, seven months later, as I look back, I still don't see the rationale for this. But Sean, the Calgary Flames and the Vancouver Canucks played a handful of meaningless regular season games while the NHL playoffs were going on, and they wouldn't allow the North Division playoffs to start until those games were done. It made yeah. no sense. Made no sense at all. And uh, that's, I mean, I, and, and that's the reason I think we would all agree that the North Division playoffs were fake. They don't count. Uh, yeah. Nothing that happened in those, uh, I, I don't even, gosh, I don't even remember. Um, but yeah, it was, it was completely, like, just let everyone go home. Man, like it's it's not it's and it's a 56 game season. It's not like you're trying to get to 82 and, you know, it was it was strange. But I always I, I like to imagine some Canucks or Flames fan when the schedule first came out, looking at that first week of the playoffs and saying, please, hockey gods, let my team still be playing. Yeah. When the playoffs start and just like the monkey paw curls somewhere and uh, you should have been more specific, but it was uh, it was just very strange. I don't know anyone who watched those games. I don't remember anything that happened in those games. Uh, weren't they played at like five o'clock in the in the afternoon? Like it was yeah. like just in between the ice capades and you know whatever else had booked the arena. Um, I don't think they were exactly big ratings grabbers. But if if you're a completionist, that was that was it. That that like whoever somebody in the NHL is one of those guys that when they play a video game they have to get 100% like they have to collect all the bottle caps or whatever yeah. and like yeah that that was it that it was like I got to get to 100% with my Vancouver Canucks and uh, the, they did it they you got, got it done got to protect the sanctity of the 56 game season yes you know? that's right we do. yeah we wouldn't want to look back on last year and think it was weird or anything what? yeah why why did Vancouver only play 53 games that's uh, yeah looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh so the North Division playoffs, and, and you're going to appreciate the fact that we're just going to gloss over Toronto's Thank you. collapse yep. against Montreal. The Habs knocked out Toronto. They knocked out Winnipeg. Then they shocked everybody and knocked out Vegas. So I think, I think the Habs getting the Stanley Cup final was one of the great stories of the year. But then mm -hmm. that became overshadowed by Nikita Kucherov, Sean, who all of a sudden became the NHL's number one villain for this little window yep. of time. We're like... Before now, and we're gonna play the clip here in a second, but I want you, I want you to answer this question before this summer, before 2021. Do you think you had even ever really heard Nikita Kucherov speak? That yeah, you can remember I, that you can recall. I, yeah, I don't know. I now now that you put it that way, no, I don't know that I, I don't know that I did. It was, uh, it, it, uh, yeah, it, it's, 
I, I mean, you you are like me. I know that you're you're a big time pro wrestling fan, and yes. you got to appreciate a good heel turn. Right, a good hit where somebody who was they used to be the baby face, the good guy, and then suddenly they just come out and they just drop something on everyone, and and suddenly they're getting booed. And you can't just do that out of nowhere, right? You gotta have you gotta subtly foreshadow it, which is what we did by having him sit out. You know, the, the basically the entire season, everybody's kind of going, "Is this salary cap shenanigans?" So you're already were a little bit uh, unsure on this guy, and then he just goes and does one of the great heel promos. Uh, of, of all time, I mean, it maybe not quite up there with Wayne Gretzky at the 2002 Olympics, but you know, the same ballpark. And, uh, it, yeah, I think, I think we've got the clip. He, uh, he, he did a hell of a job here. Yeah. So yeah. Have a listen. This is Nikita Kucherov after they win the Stanley cup. And I think it's our uh, colleague, uh, Joe Smith from Atlanta, who gets the, uh, the opportunity to ask a question to, to Kucherov first. And it's, it's honestly, it's one of the most memorable, uh, Sound bites that you're uh, you're ever going to hear at an NHL podium. Oh, let's hear it. <laughs> Just, let's uh, go, <laughs> how would you describe your congratulations? Uh, how would you describe your emotions right now after doing what you guys did? I, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, back to back, and yeah, you know, I I couldn't sleep for three nights. You know, and to be able to win this game is huge. Wasi was outstanding. MVP. I was telling him every day, Wasi, you MVP. You, you're the best player. And then they gave it to whatever the guy in Vegas, the Vezina. And then last year, they, they gave Vezina to somebody else. Number one bull. Number one bull. Wasi took both cups. He's the best. I didn't want to go back to Montreal, but they acted, the fans in Montreal, come on. They acted like they won the Stanley Cup last game. Are you kidding me? John Romano, they're, Tampa they're, Bay Times. Their final was last last series. Okay. Like honestly, like this to me was unbelievable because, like you said, like this kind of like Gretzky in O two, where it kind of comes out of nowhere. You don't expect that this would be like Sidney Crosby or McDavid all of a sudden getting to a podium and and kind of going off script. You're like, this isn't how it's supposed to go. But I loved it. He takes a run at Montreal fans. He he kind of just. And, and and then later the, the, in the summer, right, he's wearing the 18 million. Was it the t- a T-shirt, right? 18 million over? Or oh, yeah, yeah. That's, it, well, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it was, he, he had his merch. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, no, it, and it was great. Because this is, again, I, and, you know, I don't even know that, I know Habs fans weren't happy with it, but you, your team just lost in the Stanley Cup final. You're not happy anyway, so you might as well. You know, we always say, wouldn't it be great if we got some personality from these guys? And, you know, I I get why some people would say, eh, you know, that that's not the kind of personality we're looking for. But it was it was fun for a few days. You know, it gave us something to talk about. And uh, it was, uh, you know, and ultimately, he, he, I don't think he went too overboard. Uh, so it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a fun story. I, I never understood. Like, he sold the T-shirts that said 18 million over uh, the cap, right? Would it not have made more sense to make a hat? Like it's a cap. Yeah. And it just says eight and it just says 18 million over. And you're like, what is that? You're like, oh, that's my 18 million over the cap. Exactly. That's, yeah. I never that understood. I Nikita, call Ian. He's time. he's your merch guy, man. He's your idea, man. Yeah. I but anyway, I love it because like you said, it's it we don't get this type of personality in the NHL that often, right? Where they they kind of come out and they show off their personality. They have some fun. And I think that's what we like. As you'll see in a couple of other stories this year, I think that's when when some kind of personalities from teams uh, kind of come out to the forefront. I think that's what 
uh, that's what we like. Now, as we get into the summer and the offseason of 2021, so Tampa has won a second consecutive Stanley Cup, uh, the biggest story became the Seattle expansion draft. And then Frank Saravelli said, well, what if I ruin the expansion draft by telling you about (laughs) all the picks in advance? Like, before we get to some of the other things, I mean, you want to talk about like the sizzle and the drama and the intrigue being removed from an event. Saravelli just destroyed, single-handedly yep. destroyed the expansion draft. And I want to know now, in hindsight, how do we feel about that? I, you know what? That that was a hundred percent on the NHL, though, because the and basically the same thing happened with the Vegas draft. I think there were a couple of names or teams that we weren't sure on with Vegas, but most of that leaked out too because the NHL made a decision that they wanted to have the expansion teams send in their list and then they wanted to spend the day letting players know, letting agents know. They basically didn't want anyone tuning in to the broadcast that night and finding out that they had been picked in the expansion draft. They wanted some advanced heads up, which is fine. And we can make the case that that's that's the right thing to do, the right way to treat these guys. But when you do that, it's going to leak out. It's going to get out. If, if you want this to be a big secret and a big unveiling, then you've got to basically say, hey, you're going to hand in your list at 8 o'clock and we're going to start the show at 8.05. And uh, that's that's just how it'll be done. They chose not to do it that way. And and you figured, the, the surprise for me is I, th- I thought we'd be getting it from all over the place. And instead, it was just nonstop Frank bombs all yeah. day long. He was... Uh, uh, he was he had a vendetta, but it gave us something to look at, talk about that day because Lord knows the Seattle Kraken didn't really, and that was to me the 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 two things I will remember about the expansion draft is just sitting around. You know me, I love trades. I wish we had more trades. Just just giddy thinking, oh, this is this is the week, right? We know what Vegas did. This is the week Ron Francis goes to work, and the Kraken do. I was going to say literally nothing. I think they made one minor deal, but basically no, no side deals, no nothing. Um, no, nothing announced before, nothing announced after. And the other thing was the, that we have to talk about is the whole Carey Price right. situation that broke out a couple of days before where it was like, you know what? The Canadians might not protect Carey Price. And you're thinking, oh my goodness. And then they didn't, but then it was, yeah, but oh, he might secretly be hurt. Uh, and we're just going to leak that out the day before. And there was a lot of intrigue and it was great. Cause I mean, this was back when Carey Price was coming off of that Stanley cup run. He was, he was absolutely at the top of everyone's list, best goalie in the league. Suddenly he's in the expansion draft and then suddenly he's not because Seattle doesn't take him. They don't trade him. They don't do anything. Uh, they just skip it over. And, uh, um, and that's the, uh, that's the end of the Carey Price to Seattle story. But yeah. It was fun for a few days. It it was it was wild. There was a great debate. Should they take them? Should they not take them? And then it just, yeah, it, it was truly, I think, the most interesting of all the potential names that were uh, mm-hmm. on the list of uh, of uh, players that they could have taken. Boy, Carey Price. There were some absolutely. big names, man. There there was like yeah. I remember doing. You know, we we were all doing our lists and who might be available and. There, there were some some big names that we thought wouldn't get protected, and then and then did. And there were some big names that that got left on the board. And you're thinking, is Seattle going to grab some of these guys? Is Seattle going to maybe make a side deal? Say, you know, we don't want Matt Duchesne, but if somebody else does, we'll pick him. We'll flip him over to you. And and it for the most part didn't happen. And then the draft comes along, and there's guys being picked that you're just like, I I do not know who that is. 
I've got no idea who you just drafted. I've never heard of that player. This is my job to know this league. And I, I don't even know some of these guys. And you're kind of sitting there going, well, I guess Ron Francis knows what he's doing. And we're two months into the season and man, it's not going super great for Seattle, but it's, it's a long-term thing. And and then the other thing is, you know, if you're a Montreal fan, you get past the, the Carey Price expansion story and you go, well, boy, we dodged a bullet there. I guess uh, we don't have yeah. to worry about any more off-season drama. Yeah, that that's it. That's it for us. Boy, we've been busy yep. with the Stanley Cup and, and the expansion draft. We could just sit get a few back months and, off now. Yeah. Oh, let somebody I, I, else have what, the spotlight. What's this? Uh, I got an incoming phone <laughs> call from a D. Waddell. What is this? Mm-hmm. Uh, Interesting. Mark, Mark Bridgevan. And boy, you want to talk about like, I think the Montreal Canadiens might have had the most colorful year when you think about, oh, yeah. you know, the, the, the ups and The downs. Montreal Canadiens are the team of the year if, if there was such a thing in the NHL. I don't think there's, there's I, any doubt. I think so. I think so because they get to the stand. It's like they ran the full gamut of emotions where you reach the absolute pinnacle or at least close to it by getting to the Stanley Cup final. But then you also have a house clearing and your goaltender obviously um, is dealing with a very significant situation. You have injury problems. Uh, Shea Weber looks like he's done. And then the story that finally happened, we've been saying it's the boogeyman for years, the offer sheet. And yes, Barry Kotkaniemi. It happened, Sean. It finally happened. And not only did it happen, it happened with some sass. And I think that's what I liked about it is that it actually made it fun. Now, I get the fact that some people think the Hurricanes went overboard and it's not good for the game. And I get that. But at least I would rather have that than the dullness of no offer sheets and people like us writing columns about well, you know, I think they could put an offer sheet on this guy, but uh, they'd have to. Like, it doesn't happen. Well, it finally happened, and finally th- happened. And damn it, it was fun. It was well, it was fun. I mean, offer sheets are are great um, because it's 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 a tool in the GM's toolbox. It's a way to go out and target other teams' players. And it was it was cool to see one. It was cool to see one happen and then not get matched, which is. Yeah. It, as as rare as the offer sheet is, the unmatched one is is even rarer, and and we are still to this day debating: was that the right call? Was it not? Uh, you know, uh, Kotkaniemi has has been okay in Carolina. He certainly hasn't been a six million dollar player, but that that it wasn't really the idea. The idea was uh, to to overpay him to get him uh, get him out of there, and they did that. Um, it's uh, you know, it, it was. Offer sheets are fun. I wish we had more of them. They stink if it's your team that's potentially losing a you know a, a really good young player, but the intrigue and everything around them are great. Now the all the sideshow stuff with with Carolina kind of trolling Montreal and and everything, people have their own view on that. This is this league is so devoid of personality and humor and all of that stuff that one thing that I find is when anybody steps out of that that bubble even a little bit. We all sometimes overreact like it's the funniest thing that's ever happened. Like, oh my good, Daniel Alfredson pretended to throw his stick. That's the greatest thing that's ever happened. Well, no, it's not, but nobody else does anything like that. So we we turn it into a big thing. And it was kind of the same, you know, they sent this tweet. Oh, they put this in the press release. It's the greatest. And eh, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Some of it was pretty funny. Um, but the, the big picture is we finally got an offer sheet. It didn't get matched, so it worked. Uh, and will this maybe open the door to, to more of them down the line? Because now at the very least, if you're a GM, you can't sit there when somebody says, Hey, have you considered an offer sheet and go, Oh, they, they, nobody ever does that. It never works. 
can't say that anymore. So, you know, maybe there's going to be some owners or whoever saying, how come, how come we're not going after these good young players that in theory we could at least uh, nab off of another team? Listen, there, there were social media wars between the two, dueling press releases, all that stuff. The one thing I need your uh, kind of vote on is in the offer sheet, the Carolina Hurricanes offered Jesperi Kotkaniemi a $20 yeah. signing bonus. $20, because mm-hmm. that, of course, was the number, right, of Sebastian Ajo, and they wanted to make it clear that they didn't appreciate Montreal taking a run at Ajo a couple of years ago, so they threw a $20 signing bonus into Kotkaniemi. And I got, I guess, two questions for you. One, I mean, what do you feel about that? And two, if you're the Kotkaniemi camp, should you have just gone to them and said, listen, I, yeah. I'll sign it, but maybe take the $20 offer sheet out because, man, that looks real petty for everybody. It did. Petty. That's the word. It's, it, this, uh, the, the, it was an elite level of petty. And, yeah, on the one hand, I'm a little surprised that, that Kotkaniemi goes along with it. On the other hand, I'm just thinking personally, if you come up to me and you're like, Sean, here's $6 million and 20 I'm probably not going to be like, I got an issue with 20 uh, I, I probably focus more on the 6 million and be yeah. like, give me a pen. Uh, we're going to be, uh, we're going to make this happen. But, uh, yeah, it was up there. They had, didn't, didn't they put like in the press release, they had the same quote that Montreal yeah. had put with the, word and, you know, word. that was it. There was the payback. And we should point out like the, the hurricanes did go to Montreal before all this happened and try to work out a trade. Like it wasn't a full on blindside. Um, and, uh, you know, th- this was just a player they liked, and and there have been trade talks, and and they didn't go anywhere. But uh, it was it was an intriguing story, and it was an intriguing story at the time of year where there's nothing going on. Like this, like August is the absolute dead zone of the the NHL uh, season, and and to get some some genuine intrigue and uh, uh, and and pettiness, let's let's just call it what it is. Uh, it was it was fun, okay, unless you're a Montreal how- fan. Yeah, no, so now tell me, how would you feel if you're a Toronto fan? And I know that like Matthews and Marner and those guys are out of entry level now, so they can't necessarily, they're not the, the, the target of an offer sheet. But if some team signed Mitch Marner to an offer sheet a couple of years ago and they gave him a $67 signing bonus to kind of stick it to the Leafs because they haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1967, how would you feel as a Toronto fan if some team signed Mitch Marner and like here's a $67 signing bonus and Marner signed it and they, the deal happened and it went through. Wouldn't you be pretty irate? I feel like you would be. Yeah, I would. I'm, I'm like already a little bit angry and I don't, I just peek behind the curtain here, by the way, for anybody, uh, as, as we're recording this, we got our cameras on, uh, Ian, do you want to tell people what hat you're wearing as you're, as oh you're my giving God. me this? I, I just very randomly, Threw on any because my hair is a mess today. Randomly, I threw yeah. on an Ottawa sixty sevens hat. He's wearing a hat with the number sixty seven <laughs> on I, I it. I didn't even realize that. As he tells uh, me, like, "Hey, would it bother you if somebody just threw a sixty seven yeah. in your face? You Maple Leafs fan loser." Yeah, all right, yeah. good one. Very subtle. I don't think we talk enough about the fact that there's a hockey team in Ottawa called the sixty sevens. That's like, right. Yeah, it's yeah. uh, yeah, well, it's a thing. <laughs> It's, maybe someday. It's one I'm like already mad. I, I was about to say like, yeah, maybe uh, if Marner scored a goal. Like I'm mad at him for a fictional scenario you just gave me. Like I'm already. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So listen, that was a that was a really, I'll say it was a delicious storyline. Carolina 
in Montreal because it, there was a little bit of fun to it, but it was certainly there was it, it had a soap opera kind of feel to it. But I don't know that it had anything on Jack Eichel and the Buffalo Sabres because that wasn't fun. That was a real life kind of dramatic situation that just by and I didn't know where to drop this in because I was like, man, this kind of was a story that started in April and then May yeah. and then June, July, August. Like it, it kept going on. But I think if we're looking back at the biggest storylines of 2021, Sean, and looking at the the controversial, weird stories, Jack Eichel's divorce with the Buffalo Sabres has got to be on this list. Yeah, and and it was a pretty much a, a season long thing. I guess it it starts where uh, he he plays, I, I believe, into the new year, and then he's hurt, and okay, he's not going to play for a little bit, and then you hear he's he shut down, and then you hear, oh, it might be it might be serious. We we later found out that he had not demanded a trade or, or even necessarily asked for one, but had raised the possibility of a trade in the 2020 offseason. So this this reaches back to last year. But yeah, then you you slowly but surely kind of see the relationship fall apart publicly. And it goes from, wow, they might, would they consider maybe trading this guy to, oh, they might trade this guy to, they have to. And then we go through the, most of the offseason, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen at the draft. And there's there's all sorts of stories floating out about which which teams are in, who's out, what's the asking price. You've got Kevin Adams, a, a rookie GM, uh, having to handle this situation. Uh, not much of a, a support staff around him in, in Buffalo. And uh, Jack Eichel making comments at the at the teardown day and that, that make it fairly clear that, that he wants out. Meanwhile, you got Sam Reinhart doing the same thing. Uh, it's, uh, it's just a mess in Buffalo and, uh, you know, we're all sitting around going down the list of teams that, uh, that might trade for him. And you're going, well, you know, the Kings have got all these, these young guys, maybe the ducks, the Rangers seem perfect. You're, you're just going down the list of all these teams. And then you go to, well, we know Vegas can't do it cause they have no cap space. So you yeah. skip them and you go on and then Vegas does what Vegas does and, and finds a way to work it, uh, where they can go out and get yet another big name. Um, and, uh, you know, I think certainly if, if at the beginning of the year, if you had told Sabres fans that Jack Eichel is going to be traded, they would have been hoping for a, a bigger return than what they ultimately got. But the way it played out and, and the question marks around his medical situation and um, yeah, maybe Kevin Adams probably did the best that he, he could have realistically done. Yeah, I, I, I'm having a hard time thinking of and we've seen some bitter divorces in hockey over the years, uh, where a team and a franchise just just how Lindros in Philly is always the one that comes yeah. to mind for me, where it just it got nasty. I feel like Eichel is going to end up on that top of that list of of the most toxic and and bitter yeah. divorces. It just it felt like this is a player who was like, you wouldn't let me get the surgery I wanted, and it mm-hmm. just it it became very personal. Just like like Lindros in Philly became personal. It felt like yeah. Eichel in Buffalo became personal. This was it was similar, right? Because anytime you bring like a health situation into it, then which which we hadn't with with Lindros with the concussions, it, then it's it's more than hockey, right? And you know, in Jack Eichel's case, it was about uh, you know he he wanted to have uh, a procedure done that he felt was better for him in the long term, like post playing career. Like he's he's sitting there going, I don't want to be forty or fifty years old and needing to go uh, back in for for further surgeries to have this treated. So. It was tough. I mean, there have been, like you said, some real ugly divorces. This used to happen all the time. Um, back in the in the era where contracts weren't necessarily locked down and guaranteed, it, it, it used to be a thing where every year there was some star somewhere walking out on a team. It was Pavel Bure or, you know, 
the other guys just saying like, I'm done. I'm going home. You trade me or don't trade me, but I'm, I'm never playing for you anymore. And that really almost never happens anymore. And this was kind of the closest and, and it was a bit of a throwback in that sense. Uh, look, I mean, a, a, just a brutal situation if you're a Sabres fan and uh, coming off a terrible year and, uh, you know, just being back to square one on a rebuild. And then the guy who six years ago was supposed to be the franchise, the guy that you tanked to get um, in the McDavid draft and to, to know you have to start all over again. It was it was pretty awful. But uh, new start. Really looking forward to seeing him in Vegas. We haven't seen it yet, but uh, it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see. And uh, if you're if you're the Sabers, sometimes you got to move on, and and ultimately that's that's what they did. And uh, you know, obviously Vegas was able to get Jack Eichel because they had to they shed some salary, and one of the salaries they shed was Mark Andre Fleury. And I, I think this is one of the most remarkable stories of 2021. Like if you go back, like think back to our childhood. And pick any goalie that won a Vesna trophy, Patrick Waugh or Ed Belfour or Marty Brodeur or whatever. Imagine waking up one day, you're like, hey, uh, reigning Vesna trophy winner just got traded. You're like, oh my God. Like what? Like, yeah. What was the return? Like, like uh, Norris trophy a blockbuster. winner? Like what? Tell me. Nothing. What do you mean? Pretty nothing? much nothing. Yeah, nothing. Like the reigning Vesna trophy winner in the National Hockey League got traded from Vegas to Chicago in return for nothing. Like it, it, I mean, Define we we logic, should, right? yeah, we we should probably like you know be uh, apologies to uh, Mikhail Hakarinen, uh, I believe is is how you because he is the uh, the twenty three year old prospect who they did get in return. And by the way, underrated funny moment uh, <laughs> from the offseason was like the Golden Knights putting out a tweet like we have acquired Mikhail Hakarinen. It's like. No, you didn't. You traded away Mark on. You can say that. You don't have to make it the headline yeah. that uh, that you got this uh, this guy. But yeah, just a bizarre situation. And you know, especially because you know, if if you had described that at the beginning of the year, you might have said, "Oh, okay. Well, did did, did Flurry want out? Is is that it? Did he say like, uh, guys, I'd like to be traded?" And and so they they gave him his wish. But it, it wasn't that. He did not want to be traded. He had in some versions of the story, been told by ownership that he would never be traded. Uh, and then they go and uh, they go and, and pull the trigger and move him. And we're left with, after that, several days worth of drama over, is he even going to go to Chicago? Is he going to report or is he going to retire? Is he going to walk away? Is he going to demand some other trade? Are they going to flip him to Pittsburgh, uh, do the reunion there? And uh, ultimately he decides to decides to play. And this is one of those stories where there's you know it 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 feels like maybe this is Mark Andre Fleury trade drama part 1 and maybe part 2 is coming closer to the deadline this year I I guess we'll have to see but very strange to see a guy coming off a a career year a Vezina winning year and uh, he just gets flipped for for pure salary relief um that's that's the new NHL we we do need him to get flipped to Colorado though, right? Like if we're talking about yeah. deadline destinations. I mean, because- Edmonton would be fun, but Colorado yeah. and then face Vegas in the conference Total. final. How great would that be? Flurry versus the Golden Knights with with a trip to the Stanley Cup. That's that's as good as it gets, and you know it it would make a lot of sense for for Colorado uh, potentially the way their goaltending looks right now. Yeah, and I, I bet you Jack Eichel might be part of the equation for Vegas at that point. It, mm-hmm. it, look, look, that would be a lot of fun. Uh, although, I mean, heck, they met in the playoffs last year. 
and yeah. uh, in in round two, um, didn't quite. I don't know. I was a little underwhelmed by that. Maybe a little bit. No, it, it, well, maybe it was, we overhyped I mean, it. Yeah, and but you know, second round matchup. This would this would be the the conference final. This would be the big one, and uh, uh, Eichel versus McKinnon, and and on down the line. Uh, that it, it would be great. It would be great, and we know how. We know this is the NHL. We know how the hockey gods operate. So enjoy Minnesota, Minnesota versus yeah. Anaheim. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in the conference final. I think, did Minnesota and Anaheim once, did they yeah. not play each other in 03? That was yeah. the, the 2003 uh, where the Wild, uh, who were only a few years old, that was the, the Jacques Lemaire one nothing era. Uh, and uh, they faced uh, the, the surprising Anaheim Ducks uh, for, for the right to go on and play New Jersey in the Stanley Cup final. That's... That's what the pre that's the precap era there right for you the uh the the wild and the ducks clutching wow. and grabbing and goaltending their way to a showdown with the New Jersey Devils. Well, I think that which that, actually turned out to be a great series. It, it was it went to 7 games and it's funny because right around that time that's when ESPN and and ABC were like, "You know what? We're getting out. We're going to hit yeah, the eject button out. because this uh this ain't a great product." Well, now they're back. And I think that this is one of the great the big stories I think in 2021 is the NHL broadening their television deal in the United States, bringing TNT into the mix, which I think is great, bringing ESPN back into the fold, which is great. And before we get to some of that, you know, some of the the, the fun stuff that we've heard from John Tortorella, because I do think that that falls into the category of uh, kind of biggest controversies and stories of the year. I think it's the NHL, this is a good thing for them to be on TNT and back on ESPN. Oh yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, it's it's uh, chasing TV contracts and and dollars has been a ongoing theme in the NHL pretty much forever. And uh, look, I know there's people out there who want to give Gary Bettman all sorts of credit. Look at how much more money they made on the TV deal. Look at the landscape. Look at every other sports league and how much money everyone else is making. I'm not sure these were. Phenomenal deals for the NHL, but then again, under the circumstances, they they certainly did well. And and the key is with ESPN. Let's be honest: if you're not an ESPN property, they don't talk about you very much. And yeah. uh, you know, Gary Bettman had that funny line at the um, you know one of the the media availabilities where he said, "Yeah, I'm looking forward to you know ESPN finally acknowledging that we uh, that we exist again." And that's that's been a big part of the NHL's struggles uh, over the years is you know ESPN is sports in the United States and when they're not talking about you uh you're you're not going to be in great shape as far as building a fan base so it was good that they did that and then yeah you're right you're sitting down going okay we're ESPN we've been away from the game for a long time we sat out a lot of the clutch and grab and and the terrible hockey now we finally got exciting young players like I don't know Connor McDavid creative young guys like like uh, Trevor Zegras and uh, boy, what can we do to really sell this? Who should we put on the air to talk up all the creativity and and skill in the NHL? Hmm. Hey, how about John Tortorella? And they send him out there, and he craps all over it. Um, which is uh, yeah, that's I. If if you didn't know what you were getting, now you know. Now you know. So I'll tell you what. Why don't we play these clips back to back? Because they happen in a fairly short time frame, a few weeks apart. The first that you're going to hear is John Tortorella talking about Connor McDavid. And McDavid, he basically tells McDavid to, to zip it, to shut up about not getting some of the calls. And then right after that, 
is the comments he made when asked about Trevor Zegris and Sonny Milano teaming, teaming up for a goal. So we'll play these back-to-back because they're pretty much on, as you said, Sean, they're sort of on the same wavelength in terms of, you know, kind of just stifling out some of the fun and creativity in, in the National Hockey League. Yeah, and he, he complained about it a little bit. He wasn't getting the calls. I, I you know, quite honestly, and I, I hope I say it correctly, just shut up. Yeah. Don't talk about it. I do think he has to change his game a bit. Uh, not not turn into a Checo, obviously. But right. He's talked about culture. He's talked about standard. He's talked about winning. You're you're not going to outscore. You're not just going to fill the net during playoffs and outscore teams. Mm-hmm. You have to play on the other side of the puck. You have to have uh, that business type attitude of you're not. You're, nothing's going to bother me, no matter how you how you're going to check me. Don't talk about it. Just play hard. Play through it. But the other side of the puck is that important too. Come playoff time. It's tremendously skilled. Uh, for Sonny Milano, even to yell Michigan in the middle of a play uh, in a game is, is skill. That's a skilled play. My, my position, though, is, is it good for the game? Like, I hear Ray saying all the kids are doing it now, okay, in practice and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not so sure. Uh, and, again, I don't. I'm not trying to be a fool here, but I'm just not so sure it's great for the game. If you did that back in the 2000, late 90s, 2000, you get your head taken off. Uh, it's it, it's cool, you know. It's cool to watch and all that, but I'm not so sure it's good for the game. And and I stand by that. All right, so let me ask you, when you hear those clips back-to-back and you hear John Tortorella telling Connor McDavid to shut up, and then you hear him saying that, I don't know that the Zegers thing is good for the game, and I'd probably have a talk with him if I was coaching him. Which one of those did you have a bigger problem with? Torts on McDavid or to- torts on uh, Zegers and Milano? Yeah, it's, it's a tough call. Because, uh, I mean, McDavid, you, 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 here he is going after the biggest star in the game and the, and the most entertaining player in the game. But, I mean, I think the Zegers thing was the worst of them because he's sitting there saying, it's cool, it's fun to watch. But I didn't like it. And it's like, dude, you are on the broadcast partner that just paid hundreds of millions of dollars to show this product. And you're going to say that something that's cool and fun to watch is is not good for the game. It's just such old school thinking. It's And it was just disappointing to see for me from ESPN. Because, look, we're up here in Canada. We've seen it for decades. This is what Canadian hockey broadcasts have been. Cranky old men talking about how everything used to be better in the old days. It, you know, Don Cherry was the king of that, but we've had Brian Burke. We've had, you know, you go on down the list. Mike Milbury in the States, the same, same shtick. And then here comes ESPN. that has got at least a little bit of a reputation for being, you know, a little bit cool. They know how to market. They know how to sell. And they just go right back to that well and put the same old cranky old guy on there. And, uh, you know, I, I would have had no problem with John Tortorella if he said, you know what? With, with the Zegras thing, as a coach, here's why I don't like it. Because it worked this time, but here's why I don't think, you know, that that play, if, if it doesn't work, the puck goes up the other way. I think it's a low percentage play. If he was coming at it from a coach's perspective, that's what he's there for. He's the coach. Let him hear, you know, that would have been an interesting perspective. But if he's just going to sit there and, you know, scowl at somebody doing something creative, um, I would have expected that on the old school Hockey Night in Canada maybe. But not on ESPN. supposed to be like fresh and fun. Um, it, it, it just wasn't the voice that I wanted to hear on a play that had everybody, everybody talking and everybody was, uh, you know, and everybody wanting to try it the next day and next time they got out on the ice. Yeah. Hey, listen, before we get to, uh, I, I can't believe we've actually run through nine stories. We've got a 10th story 
Before we get to that one, is there any anything that we kind of left on the cutting room floor that you're like, you know, I think that this could have been, this could have been a story, yeah. or this. Let me let me cut- run through. We'll we'll sort of do the uh, uh, the rapid fire round. Uh, yeah, because there there are a few that uh, that I wanted to at least mention. Um, I, I think as far as strange stories, the Minnesota Wild buyouts uh, and uh, yeah. Parise and and Ryan Suter and the way that went down with the phone calls to. Uh, um, where apparently Bill Guerin uh, uh, calls Ryan Suter, doesn't get him, calls Zach Parise, tells him he's being bought out. Parise calls Suter and says, I've just been bought out. And Ryan Suter says, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Uh, and it's so weird because I just missed a call from Bill Guerin, doesn't put two and two together, and then gets the call from Bill Guerin saying, uh, yeah, you're you're gone too. Um, that whole thing was, was a very weird one. Um, at least Bill Guerin told them what was happening, unlike Lou Lamorello. I, I got to give him a nod for the bizarre off-season-long practice of the Islanders not telling anybody what they were doing. Yeah. Constantly signing guys, or you know, and but just not announcing it, where you're sitting there going, like, didn't, didn't they sign this guy like three months ago, and he's not there? Is it's none of the contracts are filed. Um, I want to uh I want to highlight the uh New Jersey Devils uh putting out a jersey that just had the word Jersey on the front uh, and then, you know, leading to the, having some fun with that and putting out like the hats that said hat and, and stuff like that. That was a fun day on Twitter. Um, the uh, Washington Capitals, the Alex Ovechkin, uh, Nick Backstrom commercial. One of the few yes. really good NHL commercials that, that we've seen where they, you know, the, the why is he always with the wife going, why is he always here? And uh, the, the, that, that was really well done. Um, th- this one's a bit of an obscure one, uh, but the uh, Winnipeg Jets back when in the Canadian bubble, when there were, of course, no no fans in the stands for for most of that time. Um, do you remember when they had the uh, like seltzer can guy? Oh, in the sitting stands. in the crowd, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. one guy, the only like the only thing weirder than no fans in the stands is one fan dressed up as a can of seltzer, just like sitting there wandering around like it, it was it was just uh super strange um good old good old celsi and then the last one i'm gonna throw out there and this one was maybe only funny for me but do you remember uh, shortly before he took his job his new job at tnt wayne gretzky very dramatically i thought announced his resignation from the edmonton oilers right yeah uh which led everybody to go Wait, Wayne Gretzky was working for the Edmonton Oilers? Like, none of us knew that. Yeah. Like, what did he do? What was his job? I, even Oilers fans were like, Wayne Gretzky works for us? But he gave us the big, dramatic, uh, uh, you know, I, I must go on and, and, and pursue other guys. And you're just sitting there going, what were you doing? Nobody yeah. knew. It's like when Kramer got fired from the job, he wasn't even working there. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's what makes this so hard. He's like, I don't even work here. Like, yeah. it's like... Hundred percent. I have no idea. What, he was like a consultant, but certainly, uh, I'm with you. I don't think the, the Oilers knew. I feel like they were kind of caught off guard by that too. It was like check payroll. Are we the guy <laughs> down in the boiler room? Oh yeah, that was Gretzky. All right, cool. <laughs> What's the cutoff there with those Oilers? Like, because Kevin Lowe's been around, Gretzky's been around. Like, like if I mean Charlie Huddy's been around. Like, but like I'm trying to think of who would be the cutoff guy that would try to get into the front office with a ring or well, two. I don't think- like Mark Lamb, yeah, he's not getting yeah. in. Like, is Doctor Randy Gregg like? Is he the official uh, medical consultant or yeah. something? I figure he's on there. 
I, I, the greatest upset in the NHL in the last quarter century is that the Oilers have not hired Mark Messier for anything. Like that is absolutely stunning to me that he's hasn't had at least a couple of stints as GM. But uh, yeah, I don't know how far down you have to go on the the Oilers depth chart. Mark Lamb might be it actually. That's well, he might point. be the guy. He might be the guy. Okay, so the last story we're going to hit on is something that happened in the month of December here, and it's one of those evergreen stories. It's one of those. Death taxes and fill in the blank. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's death taxes. And we talked about this Arizona Coyotes not paying the bills. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I, I still think this is, is worth mentioning again because I think the Arizona Coyotes, it feels like they just kind of paid their bills to keep their heads above water for now. And they don't have an arena deal in place for next season. It feels like they're hanging on by their fingernails in, in Arizona. Um, Gary Bettman at the most recent uh, Board of Governors meetings did what Gary Bettman always does, which is like, hey, there's nothing to see here. And, yeah. and uh, acting acting annoyed that people yeah. are even asking him a question like, why what? Why are you guys picking on the Coyotes? It's very normal for a NHL, to, for a pro sports team to be threatened with eviction midway through a season. Why, why is this even a story, guys? Yeah. So I, I don't know where this ranks, but it certainly needs to land because – I think it kind of is one of those stories that you can kind of push forward to 2022 and ask yourself, yep. like, what does your gut tell you about where the Arizona Coyotes are playing as we close out 2021? Uh, I know that there's a there's a good fan base there, and, and I think sometimes we we tend to punch down on some fan bases that look. There's thousands of hockey fans there in the desert. Yeah. They love this. The, team. the they love this fan base there. isn't big enough. Yeah. But the people who are fans well, are, yeah, I mean, they're, they're passionate and they're loyal. Totally. Jeez, because it's not like the team's given them a lot to uh, uh, to hold on to. So, yeah, no, it's it's great. But it, it is. It's such, I feel like, in a way, we're, we're not, you know, thinking enough about the fact that there is an NHL team that we don't know where they're going to play next year. And, you know, yeah, they want a new arena. You're not going to build a new arena in six months. So they're, they're, they won't have a new arena for a few years. Uh, I, I know there are people who still think that they're going to work it out with Glendale. This is all a bluff. It's all, you know, bargaining position. But the, the relationship certainly seems very broken there. And if, if it's not Glendale, where do they go? The NHL keeps saying they're, they're not moving anywhere. It's going to be in Arizona. Okay, where? Like, what what rinks do you have? And I've seen, you know, lists, uh, Craig Morgan did a good piece where he was saying, like, here's where they could wind up. None of those options look all that great. You know, could they could they go to the baseball park? Could they go to, you know, some of these smaller arenas? Could they be playing in a 5,000-seat arena for a few years? Apparently, that's an option on the table. But it's it's just very strange. We've seen franchises in, in flux a little bit when, when it comes to arenas, but I, I can't remember the last time that we're sitting there going, we don't know where this team is going to be on opening night. We just have no idea. Yeah, no, it's going to be, to me, as you, again, we wrap up the show and you kind of look forward. I, I think the Coyotes and their future is is one of the biggest stories to look forward to next year. You know what, the, if I had to pick the one story right now, and if I had to fill in the blank of the biggest story of 2022, like to me, if the Tampa Bay Lightning, Sean, can win a third consecutive Stanley Cup, I'm going to go ahead and say, it deserves mentioning as the greatest dynasty in the history of the NHL, given the circumstances, given the cap, given the COVID backdrop, given all the things that they've dealt with. I think winning three, and I'd love to get your take on this. If they win a third consecutive Stanley Cup in the salary cap era, 
would that not be the equivalent of four or five consecutive Stanley Cups in either an original six or a non-cap era? Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, you kind of have to adjust for era, I guess. And uh, I think it would be in the parody era. Uh, it it would be impressive. Now, there's there's sort of two angles on this, right? The the one is that it it's should be much much harder to win a Stanley Cup in a 32 team league in the parody era, and to do it three times in a row versus you know a team like the Islanders. Uh, in the in the early '80s, winning four in a row in a 21 team league where half of those teams were just flat out terrible, um, you know the, what the Lightning have done would would feel more impressive. Now the flip side of that, we'd say it is the parody era, which means you know position for position, the Lightning are they as great as that Islanders team? Are they are they as great as some of those uh, Habs dynasties? Probably not. I, right? You go down the list and you say, well, the Habs team had. 10 or 11 hall of famers um the lightning aren't going to be in the same position so it's it's not maybe not when you say great teams of all time maybe you don't put them in there but you have to focus on the, on what the air is and and the circumstances around it to do it in a cap to do it when it feels like the difference between the best and the worst teams is is smaller than it's ever been it would be really impressive. Even to do two in a row was was really something else and uh, if they can get to 3 they'd be the first team to do it since those Islanders, even the Gretzky Oilers never won three Stanley Cups in a row. Mario's Penguins got the two, didn't didn't win three. Red Wings never did it. Um, it would it would certainly be impressive, but long way to go for them to get there. Yeah, and again, like that, like I said, there's gonna be a ton of fun storylines to follow along in, in 2022, and we hope the listeners uh, appreciated this kind of walk down memory lane in 2021 because man, it was an eventful. Year, even though there was multiple kind of pauses in the season and, and a shortening of games due to COVID, certainly wasn't a shortage of storyline. So, listen, this was a ton of fun. Uh, I hope you have a great holiday with the family. Hope you get to uh, to spend some time. I know under the circumstances here with COVID and everybody's kind of altering their plans, everything's a little bit different. But I'm, you know, uh, hopeful and optimistic that uh, you know everybody can can have a good holiday here and uh, and hopefully, fingers crossed. I'm hoping we get the World Juniors here to kind of pay attention to, right? That'd be nice. Be nice yeah. to have some sort of hockey, but yeah, you're you're right. Uh, everybody, happy holidays to everyone. Thank you for listening, and uh, just stay safe and uh, look out for each other. Yeah, that's uh, that's well said. And listen, thank you for not only listening to this uh, episode of the podcast, the season uh, kind of year in review, but also all year long as we've uh, kind of completed one year of doing the Athletic Hockey Show. We have had a ton of fun doing that. And like I said, this is our last show for 2021. We'll get you on the other side there in January and uh, if you've got any feedback on this show as always you can uh, drop us an email the athletic hockey show at gmail.com the athletic hockey show gmail.com and if you are not a subscriber uh, you can join us at the athletic.com slash hockey show to get a discount on an annual subscription